0: Hello guys, welcome back to the Treatment Room Podcast. I'm your host, Tessa Zolli. Hopefully you don't hear my little pimple scratching around in the background. We are currently crate training, but more importantly, I want to introduce and hype up our guest of the show today. I've had a little industry crush on her for a minute. She is just doing really cool things in the space, and I think she's someone to watch. I want to introduce Sarah Ford, licensed esthetician, laser technician, clinical trainer, and esthetician to some famous faces you definitely know from Jack Harlow to Ariana Grande, no big deal. We also talk about some important industry topics such as what is fungal acne? How do you refer out to a dermatologist? How to use tranexamic acid? and what it's like treating famous people. I can't be the only one who wants to know. I hope you guys enjoy this episode, and let's get into it. I am here with the amazing Sarah Ford. And Sarah, I just have to tell you, you are such a light in this industry. I love when I can look at a page and just like genuinely feel... Like, I know the person on the other side, and that it's authentically them posting about their own journey, and just everything you share is so unique and valuable. So, thank you for just all you do share, and thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much. Um, I'm really excited
1: to join this podcast, and even just to share anything that I've learned along my way and my journey is just something that what I really and passionate about at the end of the day It's just being able to share anything that I can that can outreach to anyone.
0: We love that, and that's really what this podcast is for. It's for estheticians and new SDs, people who've been in the industry for a while, just so we can learn from each other and get inspired by each other. I want to ask you, how did you get drawn to this industry in the first place?
1: It's such a long backstory. How um, was everything?
0: Yes. Okay. so
1: I was when I was in high school, I actually got a full ride to do makeup, Um, but I wasn't as into it during my senior year. And so I was like, okay, I'll go into nursing because it's a really good job and it's always available. And so I did nursing for about two years and I wasn't as passionate about it just because I'm a really sensitive person at the end of the day. And so I was like, okay, I love beauty. I love aesthetics and the medical side of it. And so I found that when I was working as a front desk at a laser hair removal company, I was like, this is it. I love this. I get to do the medical side of aesthetics and at the same time, be able to put a smile on people's faces. And it was just something that I grew really passionate. So I went to school for it. Then um, I negotiated my way actually into a med spa because I knew when I graduated I want to I wanted to go to straight in a medical aesthetics. So I kind of like was like, I'll work for the lowest pay if you provide all my laser and medical aesthetics training and I just really want to be in this industry. and that's how I originally got started.
0: I noticed you have laser certifications in addition to. The aesthetics, which I feel like that would be pretty valuable for treating skin. Are you glad you got that education? I am so glad I got that education, especially being in
1: California. A lot of estheticians aren't able to touch lasers or even be on the medical side. So the fact is when clients come in and they're like, what do you think of an IPL machine or a non-invasive clear and brilliant? These are things that I used to do for several years before I moved to Los Angeles. So it's fun to be able to share knowledge and consult with clients like, Hey, you know, I think this would be a better fit for you, or this would be a better fit. And i love it all together, being able to, to provide that education to them as well.
0: I think people really appreciate that medical insight as well. And, and speaking of owning your own space and like being the coolest LA esthetician with some very high profile clients, like how did you, how did you get there? What led you to even open your doors and feel like I really want to bet on myself and do this. So um, when I started out in aesthetics, I love corrective skincare.
1: So seeing results and being driven by results was what just drove me wild into the industry. So when I first moved to LA, I found that... um, the beauty industry wasn't as educational and people were getting like the relaxing facials. And I said, okay, I'm here with extensive laser experience and all the backend knowledge to, to be able to provide results. So I guess I just hit the ground running right when I came and I was just driven to see before and afters. And it's so crazy because I call this accidental entrepreneurship. It really didn't, I didn't see a plan of it happening. It just sort of kept going and it was word of mouth to the point where I had an extreme long wait list of about, I would say over a thousand people. And so I said, I think I need some help. So I started hiring after that and, uh, and that's just how it gradually grew on its own. And I think also at the end of the day, when you bring in a client, you know, not trying to send them, you know, sell them a 10 step routine, but be able to provide before and afters and also educate them on inside and outside health skin related is just very important. And I think that that's what they saw was very endearing and genuine approach that I make.
0: Yeah, can you talk more about your approach and your philosophy because it's very clear that you look at things pretty holistically.
1: Yes, so in my early 20s, I was actually diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome known as PCOS, mm-hmm. and I also had leaky gut syndrome. And in the beginning, I did not know what it what it was. I was very clueless to it and on the internet, it was like, right when I got into aesthetics, I was Googling every fast fix that could help. I was like, like, what pills do you take? What vitamins, Mm -hmm. what shots Mm -hmm. just literally give me anything that you could possibly give me. And it just boiled down to your health, your health. And Mm -hmm. I was like, well, I do think I am fairly healthy.
0: Um,
1: But I actually wasn't. I was the type of girl that woke up in the morning and got her Starbucks and little (laughs) croissants and, uh, you know, was going about my day still thinking that if I got like a processed frozen meal that was 160 calories, it was still super healthy until I started to dive way deeper into health. And honestly, the approach that really helped me was um, Chinese medicine when I started really diving into that. And so I started crossing skincare with Chinese medicine and I don't know um, if you saw my journey, but it was a beautiful journey that I got to endear myself. And now all I want to do is share that with people.
0: Yes. Yeah. Your own transformation, I feel like is so inspiring. And I feel like that just radiates out to everything you do with other people, but you guys will have to take a look at at Sarah's page, and, and you can tell it's really like an internal glow up as well. Not just it's the physical. very internal to what you're putting, you know, like putting in your mouth
1: the first thing right when you wake up in the morning. You know, yeah. are you drinking? glass of water? Are you waking up? Are you scraping your tongue to remove toxins? Are you drinking water right after that to fill you? Are you getting your daily body movement in? Are you stressed? Is your cortisol levels high? There's so much to inside health that is just as important to everyday just beauty and skincare and life in general.
0: Did you have any guide or health expert that you met within the Chinese medicine realm that helped you?
1: Um, or was it like self-exploration? It was really self-exploration. I can't tell you uh, how much time I spent <laughs> the first year of my PCOS diagnosis that I was going to so many internal doctors. I was asking friends and family, Googling Chinese medicine. I was going to this acupuncturist, this mm-hmm. nutritionist. And even till this day, mm-hmm. I'm always following on all avenues of it just to gain everyday knowledge and education. So I really was reading all the books, um, herbal medicine books. And yeah, I was just really about self-exploration at that point because at the end of the day, it's really up to you how far you want to take it and what journey you want to make and what's actually good for your body. And every day we hear people tell us like, this is good for you, but Mm -hmm. every single body, body is different. So you have to really listen to yours because yours yes. is not like everybody else's.
0: Yes. And you have to, I also come from like a chronic illness, um, background autoimmune and, It can get very discouraging because you have to keep pushing for answers when you're already like tired and sick and not feeling good. And I think that's that's the hard part, like seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and day after day, like making the conscious effort to try to keep pursuing answers, even when it feels like there's none. Yeah. And I I completely
1: relate to that because in the beginning, I think I was so down on myself and I was in a very spiral deep depression. But I think what helped me along the way was taking progress photos and um, really diarying my mm-hmm. journey for myself to be able to go back and look, but also taking the time to actually sit alone with yourself and start to see your everyday progress. And I think that's what's inspiring. And also when people get started, they're like, they do the first week and then they're like, oh, I don't see it yet. I, I give up versus realistically, it's going to take you about six months to a year to transition into a different
0: lifestyle. Yes. And I, I think that can even be true. With acne and, and skin conditions, is that something, do you ever encounter struggles with, uh, with clients just because like the, obviously a skin journey or treating acne, it's, it's not super linear and it, it can take a, a long period of time. Is that kind of a challenge you face in your business? How do you walk clients through that process and kind of reassure them that it's worth sticking out?
1: Um, so... If, you, if any of my clients hear this, they know that 100% I am a mama bear. So I really take pride in taking care of my clients. And not only at the end of the day, am I asking what their main skincare concerns are, but I'm genuinely looking at them and I'm like, are you okay? Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, when you're on any type of journey with a skin-related condition, you have to not give yourself self-doubts because then that's just going to put you down yeah. into a depression and At the end of the day, stress does, you know, have an effect on your skin. So a lot of the times clients are very different, really depending on their concern. There'll be one client and we'll do good for one month and she's great. And then there's another that may take like three to four to six months, depending on her condition, how resilient it is. And also I really like to get to the depth of what is happening. Um, Mm -hmm. Is there mold in your apartment? Um, Are you sleeping with the same pillowcases? Um, Are you washing with the wrong fabrics? So um, I think what's really important is just really diving deep into every single detail with my clients until they start to see their results and figure out what the pinpoint of the, the concern was.
0: Yes. I love that. And I think it's such a good learning lesson for Estes listening to, to never forget that nurturing part. And like that human part is so important to what we do. And I think, you know, we can kind of get tunnel vision too, because we have a problem in front of us that we want to treat and we want to help somebody. But, um, just a great reminder that there's a person on the other side who, who's like living in their skin and body every single day.
1: Yeah. And just to know that you're not alone and your expert, you know, should be endearing and caring and genuine and walk you through this process and through this journey as well.
0: Yes. Yes. I love that. What about your own journey with PCOS and skin? Were there was there anything outwardly that that you struggled with because of PCOS? Oh yes, uh, yes. <laughs>
1: um, and you'll and I'll be posting more of my photos, um, and I have some. But I would get really fast allergic reactions. My skin was super sensitive, but I had really cystic nodules on my jawline that were just so painful, and there would be probably four or five nodules just on each side of my jawline and they would hurt. You couldn't even pop them. Nothing would come up because they were hard nodules. Right. And also because of PCOS, I wanted to get off birth control so I could try to fluctuate my hormones naturally and through that, I got uh, really bad melasma in the beginning as well. So I, like, cleared up my mm-hmm. acne. Then I got mm-hmm. really bad melasma. So I was a double whammy when it came to skin. The acne, the melasma, the weight gain, the hair loss. So when people come to me with any of these kind of concerns, I'm, I feel you. I resonate. Mm-hmm. I was there.
0: Yes, and I think people oftentimes like to see that and, and feel like – the professional can can relate with their experiences. Um, what about like your overall specialty in your practice? Is there any one condition you would say you treat the most of, or or is it many different things? Um, I would say
1: I more specialize with acne, pigmentation, and texture, like acne scarring. You know, I say this, but a lot of people, when they have acne scarring, they go straight to heat-induced lasers when heat-induced is supposed to melt fat and contour. So Mm -hmm. there's a conflict of why do you want to melt the fat in your skin when you're trying to rebuild your collagen? So sometimes there can be just a miscommunication, misinformation there for people with acne scarring. So I really like to help people gradually rebuild their collagen as well.
0: I feel like melasma isn't isn't talked about enough in our industry. Maybe it's because acne kind of gets the most publicity and it's um, so common, but a lot of people struggle with melasma as well. Are there any tips that you could share as far as how you see successful management? Not a cure, obviously, but uh, any good management tips or treatment tips?
1: Yes. So I have melasma. Mine's hormonally and heat induced. And if I go out in the sun, I get a shadow the next day. So I have to be consistently treating my skin. The best treatments overall preventative wise is I love nanoneedling, microneedling, light peels, and then using melanin mm-hmm. inhibiting ingredients, you know, to be preventative for pigmentation, ascorbic, kojic, arbutin, hydroquinone, and even in extreme cases, clients can get prescription tranexamic
0: acid. Hmm. I've actually used tranexamic acid before for my melasma and it's pretty amazing. I feel like that's also not talked about enough.
1: No, it's a, it's a really good ingredient that I feel like is actually a better alternative to uh, really high-prescribed hydroquinone because in some cases people don't respond well to hydroquinone. It's it's a fifty-fifth base whether it gets darker, and more resilient, or it brightens. But tranexamic acid you can also take orally versus uh, topically, and I think that that's an exceptional way to do it as well. And some cases people get prescribed <laughs> spironolactone for melasma, and I. And I know that their doctor says it's more hormonally induced, but at that point, I would focus on fluctuating your hormones, trying to balance them, and maybe using something for pigmentation orally as
0: well. Amazing. And in terms of other forms of pigmentation, such as like post-acne pigmentation, I feel like that's another thing that can almost bother a client more than the acne itself. Do you have any uh, favorite ingredients there or products that you recommend for post-acne marks? Post-acne
1: marks, my number one advice is there are two reasons. Not wearing enough sunscreen um, every two hours Mm -hmm. and making sure you're not getting post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation, And also, do not pick because those are the two variables of why you're causing injury to the skin and then you're going to get post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. So when I see that, I talk to my clients and I say, don't touch, don't cause any injury, extra rawness, Mm -hmm. wear sunscreen, preferably mineral-based sunscreen, zinc, which is really good in healing. And Some of my clients just use like a cortisone cream because it's an anti-inflammatory, antibacterial, anti-irritant. And I prefer that they use that as a spot treatment versus more aggressive ingredients like benzoyl peroxide and whatnot because then that could be photosensitizing. So post-inflammatory, if you wanna use ingredients for brightening, it's gonna be similarities to melasma just because you wanna prevent that pigmentation.
0: What about in terms of like lifestyle? Are there certain things you advise clients to stay away from when it comes to pigment? Um, I wouldn't say except for those that maybe
1: have melasma and they eat a lot of spicy foods mm-hmm. or clients that have rosacea, underlining mm-hmm. pinkness. Watch out for your alcohol, your
0: dairy, and mm-hmm. your spices. Mm, yes, that's me. Melasma, rosacea, acne <laughs> <at my phone>. I'm <laughs> little trio.
1: You're a trio. That's going to really dive in. If for you into your and uh, in your gut health would be your number one thing. The issue with also with melasma and rosacea, people think that they have to overuse acids or you know more mm-hmm. aggressive ingredients to be able to see results. But the main thing is. Your hydration is the most important, getting corrective treatments and then watching what you're putting in, in your in your body. So I would even avoid for rosacea clients, those extra like scrubs or clay masks or mm-hmm. any of those things and focus on hydration. Hydration is the number one thing.
0: Absolutely, yep. You can easily overdo it with rosacea and it's not comfortable. No. These are always curious to know how do you really settle upon products? Because obviously this is your bread and butter. This is what you're trusting to, to offer your clients results with outside of the treatment room. What are some lines that you love and how did you kind of decide that they were right for you? So as,
1: uh, you know, I'm very corrective, so I need to see results. And any line that I reach out to, I do a trial with. So I don't just see a line and say, wow, it's mm-hmm. it's trending. I need to buy into the skincare line and carry it in my office. I'll say, okay, let me buy about 20 of each of the products. And I trial with 20 different patients on the exact concern that that skincare is. And then if I don't see results, I won't purchase into it. But if I do see results, I will purchase into the line. So a few of the lines that I've seen results with are, um, PCA skin and osmosis, Jan Marini, um, face reality, Glymed shows really good results, DMK. Um, and I'm looking right now into, um, Oh, it's a, I think it's like vanity. I can't remember, but I'm going to look into Mm -hmm. it more, but Mm -hmm. yeah. So I'm really result driven and also Sarah Ford products because I don't know where I would be without the formulation of figuring out what actual ingredients bring results. And I Mm -hmm. said, I'll just make a skincare line myself and formulate these ingredients and opt out certain ingredients that can cause clogging or
0: irritation or flares. And that's what I did. Yes. Okay. We want to know more about that too. I think a lot of SDs are interested in possibly having their own line. And I think it's a very smart, a smart thing to do because you obviously know where certain gaps are and, and you know, like what you really need, what, what kind of inspired you to bring on your own stuff and just tell us about that and what you offer.
1: So I was kind of having, in the beginning the back bar is really good for results but I was having trouble with retail that was one cost effective for people able to be repurchasing because now skincare is just getting so highly expensive so I wanted it to be affordable and I wanted it to be able to bring results and Sometimes I would find the skincare lines that I wanted to carry had too many comogenic ingredients or ingredients that would cause flare up, irritation, bumps under the skin. And a lot of the times uh, it's just miscommunication on the ingredient knowledge in the back. So what is the, on the ingredient label, what is causing flare ups? What is, fungal triggering, what is comogenic, And that's what really drew me into just making my own line because I wanted it to not only be safe for acne patients, but also safe for people that get misdiagnosed with fungal acne. Unfortunately, estheticians cannot diagnose fungal acne, which is why I always recommend having a derm online. But the important thing is when you go in for a derm, making sure that they're really scanning and um, taking tests on your skin to make sure that you don't have fungal acne. But a lot of the times it does get misdiagnosed with acne because there could be a mixture of both acne and fungal at the same time, or even overproduction of yeast. So it would just be with avoiding certain ingredients like fungal triggering ingredients like shea butter or coconut oil or anything like that that are in some ingredients, lanolic acid. And I could go down the drain with ingredients, but I won't. But uh, really just to avoid certain ingredients during that time because it doesn't hurt to even try it to make sure that you don't. So when a client comes in, um, I actually did have a client that, you know, she went to a derm and they prescribed her Accutane and she started to get really worse after week four or six. And I said, okay, let's just... I'll just figure it out on my own at this point because it was getting to a point where she was so sad and depressed. So Mm -hmm. I ended up talking to another doctor and we got her a prescription and I put Mm -hmm. her on the right ingredients and three weeks later, she's cleared.
0: Oh my gosh, how life changing. That is amazing and such a testament to like you being willing to go the extra mile and really feeling for somebody I think you might be a good person to speak to this, but um, do you have like a, a consistent way of referring clients out to derms? I just feel like it's something a lot of professionals maybe shy away from, but sometimes it's it's needed. Is that something since you've kind of seen the medical side of things that you're you do sometimes? It really is needed to be able to have a
1: derm referral. But while I say that, it's just, you know, not everyone's good at their job. Like even me, you know, there's estheticians that are not as good. There's hairdressers not as good. And there's some derms probably not as good. So it really just takes finding the right derm that's willing to go the extra mile and sit in that room with you the extra 10 minutes versus just going in and writing a prescription and walking out. It takes someone that's really ready to, and this is the word that no one wants to hear, but listen. Just listen. That's all it takes.
0: Fullheartedly agree and I think there's space for more derms and SDs to collaborate. It's just a matter of like finding the right partnership and somebody you you really trust.
1: Yeah. It really is because at the end of the day, both sides really care about their clients and we just want to make sure they're in really
0: good hands and taken yes. care of. Yes, absolutely. And shifting a little bit to like you as a business owner, Sarah, you were telling me you can feel a little bit introverted and shy. I get this question all the time from SDUs who you know want to be a business owner but feel like they might have anxiety or just struggle with social interactions. How has that process been for you Um, kind of coming into your own as a business owner and like really running the show and being a big name too in the industry? Um,
1: I would really say it's just coming out of, if you're wanting to be a business owner, the first thing that you have to put in your mindset is you have to be able to come out of your comfort zone. Because being in a, a business owner, you're always going to be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And you see the you see the vision, you look at other business owners and you're like, wow, she's so happy, she's so lucky. But we are put in so many uncomfortable situations. That you just kind of have to have that expectation of kind of being a little uncomfortable in the beginning, but then you start to flourish and you find your way and it seems to work. And as for me, because I'm such a personable person and when someone sits down with me, I want to give them my all undivided attention at that time. I do have to find time for myself to sit alone with myself. So if you do want to be a business owner and you do want to be able to connect with others, make sure that you also take the time to sit and reconnect with yourself at the end of the day as well.
0: I love that tip. And I was just watching your little self-care rituals and wellness. And I love that you really make it a priority and you don't just talk the talk, you walk the walk too. Yes, the walk every 30 minutes every day. <laughs> yes, the walk,
1: the walk is so important.
0: Obviously, you've expanded, you have a team now, how has that been bringing on other people? Is that something you ever struggled with? I think a lot of people are in this boat where they know they need to hire people to scale, but sometimes we can worry Is somebody going to execute the vision as I see it? Now I have to like trust other people. I struggle with that for sure. But how has your experience been with growing your team? Um, This is the motto that I stick to. Hire
1: slow, fire fast. (laughs) Uh, And the reason with that is because um, it's your business at the end of the day. It's, It's your baby, and you do have to put trust in other people, um, and you do have to be able to communicate accordingly, but there does have to be like that separation when you hire people because I think the confusion that happens is friendship and boss, and you want to be a good boss, and you want to be a good person, but Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you have to remind yourself that this is your baby, so you don't want to have anything less than the team vision that you've visioned. Yeah. Yeah. You want that. You want people that are genuine, that care. You want people that represent who you are. So when you do get ready to hire, hire people that represent you, that reflect you, you know? So example, if you come in and you ask someone about their past job and they're like, oh, my boss was a drag or things like that. That's mm-hmm. the first red flag for me. You're talking bad about somebody else, meaning you can't alternate it and turn around it into something positive experience. Mm-hmm. So you you are who you hang around with. You are who you bring around. So when that time comes, it is you have to put that trust out there, but remember that you're hiring slow and you're hiring people that will reflect you.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. When you are hiring, do you... Is there a certain way you go about it? Um, you know, perhaps asking within a closed circle, do you post on social media? Do you use a big site like Indeed or something?
1: I have used Indeed, and Indeed's been really helpful because what you can do when you're doing your hiring process, if you want people to go the extra mile, you can have like a questionnaire that they have to answer. And you'll find that you'll filter through the people that don't go the extra mile, which Mm -hmm. is the people that you don't want to hire anyway. So I remember when I was hiring um, for, I think, like a front desk receptionist at the time, there were 180 applicants and only 14 people finished the questionnaire and so i boiled it down to the 14 so i thought that i felt like that was really helpful it helps to filter out like who is going to go the extra mile what people are actually mm-hmm. taking the time to read the description that you applied for so there's various kind of psychological ways that you could go about it mm-hmm. i don't really I think I posted on social media before, but I learned that that's kind of like a regret because you have your following, you have people that know you from your outside world, and sometimes letting other people get really close to you can kind of be a little scary. So I like to hire people that don't know me or know who I am.
0: Mm -hmm. I get that. What about if you're hiring an SD? what would you say are the main qualities that you look for? Um patience,
1: positive energy, work ethic, and genuine care, like feeling like they have a purpose, like this is their purpose. I'm in for skincare to help people. I'm not here to, it's not about the money. Like you want to make a comfortable living at the end of the day, but that's not the first thing that you think about. Because when I got into skincare, when I was first in LA, I was working six days a week, sometimes from 8am to 8pm. Mm-hmm. And my facials were so cheap. And I mm-hmm. was just doing it because I loved it. Because I loved seeing yeah. people because I love seeing results. And mm-hmm. that's what really flourished a business growth versus I'm just going to see the money aspect of it. So when you hire someone, you want to make sure that they're in it for the right reasons.
0: Yep. Yep. Absolutely. What about like any... <laughs> Any major challenge you've faced in business? Has there been anything that you think we could learn from? Too trusting. <laughs> Too trusting. Mm-hmm. Too trusting.
1: Uh, you get really excited and you're like, I'm going to trust this person and something will happen. And you'll be like, oh, you had a different mindset. I should have watched for this. And uh I really think it takes, again, taking the friendship, not building, out. like you can have a friendship with your employees, of course, but not trying to be too much of best friends because then that confusion happens where they think like, oh, we're more mm-hmm. friends than we yep. are employees. Yep. And and I think that that's where you have to be cautious. Have your contracts yeah. in place. This is just for anyone listening ready Mm -hmm. to hire, have your non-disclosures, have your privacy in place and make sure you have your contracts in place just to cover yourself because someone can come and they could be the nicest person and portray Mm -hmm. this innocent, innocent, you know, persona and you're actually never knowing. So it's just, that's the only hard part, honestly, about hiring.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's I think a hard thing about business in general is just like knowing you probably will have your heart broken at some point. Somebody may disappoint you or or betray you, and it's very, very difficult. But I think something you said was having kind of the respect in place first. Like, of course, we want everyone to like us, and and we want to feel like a friend, and it's okay to have that friendly relationship, but... The respect and the boundaries and protecting yourself is so important. So thank you for sharing that.
1: Yeah, that's really important. I think that's something that I learned along the way as well is just like being too nice and then that expectation of like, we're friends and you're like, look, I'm friendly, but like also like I have to have this boundary with you, you know, and it's really important. It's your baby. It's your baby. It's your baby. It's like having a nanny. It's like when the nanny screws up, you're like, "I don't know if I want you around my baby anymore." <laughs> I don't know if I trust you with my baby. You forgot to feed my baby. <laughs> I think it's time that I got another nanny, which is fine. You can get another nanny.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and you spoke about just firing firing quickly. Um is that something that's difficult to do? Uh
1: Firing quickly, but doing it in the right way, obviously, Mm -hmm. because I am a true believer in karma, Mm -hmm. Um, but firing quickly is an uncomfortable thing to do at the end of the day. It's not something that you want to do, but for yourself and respectfully for the growth of your business, if something's not working, it's something that you just have to do, unfortunately. Yeah. It's Um, part of the gig. It's just part of it. But of course, you do it respectfully. Like Mm -hmm. if you were to let someone go, you know, you give them a good two weeks or some time to find another job. And of course, you give them a paid two weeks so that they're comfortable. You don't just I'm letting you go in case it's some weird or a yeah. crazy incident where they're like stealing from you or something. But if you just find that there was no longer a fit, you know, you, you do it the right way, but it is something that's hard that I do struggle with also. Cause I'm such a nice person and yeah. I love giving second chances and doing this yeah. image in my head of like, this is what this person is. It's no way it could be that. But in the back of your mind, you're like, I'm getting this, this turn in my stomach. And I think yeah. it's time that maybe it goes separate ways.
0: Yes, and I think that's another point too is I feel like we can gaslight ourselves so much and we're like, that's not true. You're imagining things, but that gut feeling, you know. That
1: gut feeling's real. Your intuition <laughs> is real. And I will tell you, it's just so real. And it's proved my mm-hmm. point time and time again. Like when I've done something and I trust my instinct, I'm like, oh, that's why I did that. That was a reminder of why I did that. Good call. Yes.
0: Yeah, and I think that's probably why we are, are good at our jobs. We are empaths, we have that like human feel and instinct. So I think that's a great message to to really trust that and listen to your gut. Exactly. You just have yep. to. Yep. On to <laughs> lighter things. Yes. I think a question I get probably the most often is is how do you continue to bring people into your business? How do you grow it? And I know you've talked about just providing the best possible experience and really connecting with the individual, not not putting money first. Um, Is there anything else you would say you could attribute to a lot of your success? I mean, having a wait list of like over a thousand people, that's unheard of.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think in the beginning, when I was first building my clientele, I focused on my in-house. And a lot of the times, when business starts, they always focus on the outreach, which you can do. But if you take care of your in-house fairly well, odds are people will talk about you and they'll say really good things about you. So, I love giving like facials away for free, time and time again. Even still to this day, I love giving out products. I love having one-on-one with my clients. And and in the beginning, when I was first starting. I needed that growth. I did like a referral basis credit where they were able to get credit based on referrals. So, I mean, if my hairdresser told me, if you were for five friends, you get a free hairdo, all my friends are coming. I'm going to see if I can get 15 of my friends. So you really need to focus on your in-house. I think that that's what's fairly important. Your in-house, your people that you already have, they're your biggest supporters. They're your cheerleaders. So if you tell all your cheerleaders, hey, you want to go out and cheer for me? And they do and they love the results. Odds are it's just going
0: to attract more people. I think obviously like being a celebrity esthetician, it's so cool to all of us, especially if we don't live in L.A. Is there like anything you could share as far as just was there a first experience where you had a celebrity? Like what is that? obviously they're just normal people, but it's kind of glamorous and cool. <laughs> How is that, um, like treating celebrity clientele?
1: Um,
0: it's This is going to sound crazy,
1: but it's actually easier treating my celebrity clientele. Um, I think also because they're in the industry and they're always doing like photo shoots and makeup and this. So they're actually like the easiest people to please. Wow. Um, but I would say... Um, I don't know. I can't really find the separation of my any of my clients that, you know, is a lawyer, is a yeah. front desk clerk, is yes. you know, Jack Harlow. I don't know. Like it yes. does doesn't seem to separate. Also, I think what's just this is just gonna sound funny is I look at their faces upside down when I'm giving facial. So I kind of forget for a second that on a, on a, a celebrity yeah, um, since, you know, I've seen, I've been seeing, you know, Jack for, I think over a year now. And, um, he's just such this funny character. He's, he's such a cool dude. And oh. I finally was able to go see his concert in LA. And I just kind of stared at the stage. I was like, is that my client? Doesn't feel like that's my client. I think I just separate the two so much that I don't even think about it, honestly.
0: Yes. Yeah. He, he seems like such an angel. Um, and yeah, I feel like that is probably the coolest celebrity to have. But and how did how did you guys get connected? Or how did he find you?
1: Honestly, everything's through word of mouth. Yeah, that's that's just how it's been. I guess someone of someone of their friend of their, you know, it just. I think I had like a client who I helped her with her skin and then it just went for that's how it's been the whole time is word of
0: mouth I don't think I've had any other way okay and for somebody who just thinks they could be interested in that side of aesthetics do you have any parting advice
1: um For anyone who wants to get in this type of aesthetic, don't actually think about getting in this type of aesthetic. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I would say, you know, respect people's privacy because, Mm -hmm. and you know, there's some celebs that I've worked on that people would probably be like, no freaking way. But I just find that everyone wants a little bit of their privacy in their life and, it's just, it's just nice to have. And I, I could be that person that posts my client on a red carpet or this one for the photo shoot, but sometimes it's nice to be a little secret.
0: <laughs> I'm okay with being a little secret. Yeah. Well, that's what yeah. they appreciate that, that mutual respect and that, like, you're not, uh, you value their, their privacy above you know, promoting them being a celebrity, but I just think it's really cool. So I had to ask. It's so
1: cool. It is so, it's, it's, it's mind blowing. I'm like, oh, I, I've seen this person when I was younger, or I can't believe it. It's like, it's a very surreal moment, but it just ends up being a very humbling, regular experience. Like, for example, I think um, when I first met, you know, Ariana, I think I was kind of nervous at first, but she was such, such the, cutest nicest human I know like the minute she walked through my door she's like can I hug you and I'm like okay this is how we start yes I'm here I'm for it so uh, it's just like wow I I'm so happy every day like I get to meet the coolest people and they have just the nicest vibes and it's just all a vibe it's just
0: nice yeah I love it it's really fun well, you're obviously doing amazing things and you're just, you're so major and so cool. We, we really look up to you in this industry. Um, and thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing your thoughts. I think my, my last question is just, where do we find you on social media? Can people book with you? Uh, uh, so you can find me
1: on a Sarah Ford official, Sarah with an H a lot of people don't put the H but Sarah Ford yes. official and um, currently right now I cannot accept new clients but I do have an amazing team of estheticians in my office and I'm always in there all the time and anytime even a client walks through the door and they ask for help I'm I'm right there to offer any kind of help so I'm not the type of esthetician that's like no, I have a wait list and you're never going to see me. I'm there all the time. I'm such a people person and I love connecting with other people. So anyone is welcome through our door. It's a house. I always say mi casa su casa. Come on in. (laughs)
0: Love that. Well, I will link everything in the show notes so people can find you and check out your amazing social media and your product line as well. Thank you, Sarah. It's been so nice talking with you.
1: Thank you so much, Tessa. this has just been such a enjoyable conversation.
0: I feel like we're just having a cup of
1: coffee right now. <laughs> um, thank you so much for bringing me on. And I hope that this can inspire anyone on their journey or if they have any questions and need some guidance, reassurance, you can just come on over to my page and it's a safe space for you to join.
0: Thank you, Sarah. We appreciate it. Thank you guys for listening. I will talk to you in the next episode next week. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. Bye.